Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the National Intel Report. I'm your host, John Statmiller. We're live from the studios of Republic Broadcasting Network on this Friday. It is the 20th of July, 2007. And on today's program, for the first hour, I have Alan Watt on with us. We'll get to him in just a couple of minutes. Um, by the way, um, do you ever get... I, I just visited the Williamson County Tax Assessment Office today. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> they're now listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Um, I, I just dropped a bombshell on these people. You, you know what they're trying to do? They, they try to collect taxes off your business machines, your computers, and everything else. You know, when you when you buy this stuff to begin with, you're already paying the state the sales tax and everything else. And and basically, this is a business tax, and it's really unfair because it has no representation. In other words, there's taxation without the re- representation. It's thrown into a general fund, and a wa- off and away we go. Well, I told the tax assessor's office this morning that, uh, look, uh, you don't have a, a, a check mark here or a box that I can check for unconstitutional illegal taxation. So, therefore, I didn't get a hearing in front of the board. But I did have a good time sitting there talking to those fine folks, and I know they're out there listening today. Hi, guys. Because after I got done with them for about a half hour, they were real interested to find out more information. You know, I looked at these people, and I said, well, do you do you enjoy paying income tax? Well, no, they scare us to death. Well, I said, quit being scared. Don't pay it. Well, my gosh, you've got to. I said, really? I said, how, how many dollars do you think of the $1.2 trillion they collected last year went for government services? Well, we don't have any idea. I said the answer to that is zero because they're paying the interest on the money that the government borrowed, and they're running out of paper to sell to the planet. That's why our dollar is only worth about two cents. And I said we have a couple attorneys that just took the DOJ and the IRS to lunch, and I don't mean for a burger either, and I said they'll never hear back from the IRS for the rest of their lives. Well, they're very, very, very interested in hearing what we had to say on issues of constitutionality and legality. So we welcome the Williamson County Tax Assessment Office to the program today. Hope you guys keep listening. You're going to learn a lot. Get ready for Real Talk Radio. You're listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. All right, folks, it is Friday, the end of another work week or subjugation week, uh, however you want to put that. Uh, I want to just let people know that uh, this network, uh, you noticed it took a hit back in January from some unscrupulous people. Well, in a way, that's kind of been a blessing because you know what that did? That just dug my spurs into this even more. I got a little tired of doing radio and people not really paying attention and not really using the tools that are available out there. Well, yeah, up until that time, maybe my attitude was a little lackadaisical, but um, that kind of kind of shocked me back into reality and how important this network is. And uh, we're looking at uh, right now uh, putting up another bird, uh, putting up a whole new lineup of talk show hosts. Uh, we've got business consultants looking at this business for investment purposes, and uh, we also have affiliate relations people that uh, are going to be representing this network now. So 
you know, folks, uh, if I'm going to pull my hair out, I might as well pull it over over a big deal, pull it out over a big deal rather than a smaller deal. So uh, there you go. Uh, the best network that was out there before, before we got whacked and hacked back in January, well, we're going to be on top and we're going to be the biggest and baddest radio network out there uh, for the alternative media, which, by the way, folks, it is the alternative to the media, not the alternative media. <laughs> I have with me this afternoon uh, Alan Watt. Good afternoon, Alan. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on with me. Uh, I know that you just subbed for Michael Herzog for the last two hours. I have no idea what you were talking about because I was busy doing business and on the phone and talking to people. Uh, what were some of the subjects that you were talking about, Alan? Uh, really, where we've been in history and how we're simply in history and the making for the next phase of it and that history doesn't happen as you bumble down through time, but... It really is planned in advance. The, the, big, the big agendas are always planned way ahead of time by big think tanks that work for uh, a global elite and how the, the, the push is on now for this whole new world order. It's a complete world order. Uh, the old world order, as they used to talk about, was the Soviet uh, versus uh, the allied U.S.-Britain side during the Cold War. Well, this is the new world order for the whole world and it's to do with a completely new way of living if they get their way, uh, a way of living where well, most people will be pretty well dead in a sense and that they won't be able to think at all. They'll, they'll be uh, brain-chipped, they'll be lobotomized, they'll be purpose-made for their work tasks. This is the glorious future that we're being told is all in store for us. Uh, but meanwhile, the, the elite must standardize the rest of the world under the one system to pull it off. And that's why the wars is going on in the Middle East right now. Well, and uh, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because it's always been my contention. I've been looking at this Iraq deal, and I looked at Afghanistan, and, of course, we saw the governmental reasons for going in, al-Qaeda, where it was actually us that sold Saddam Hussein these nasty weapons that he used to kill some Iranians with. And I'm looking at this scenario, and I, and I, I arrived at this uh, conclusion about a year ago. Alan, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wait a minute here. What is bigger on the table here? Is it the war in Iraq, uh, the quest for oil, uh, to go in there and deconstruct the Arab world and nation build the way the United States and Israel and England would like to see it? Or is this an exercise of distraction, the Mac Daddy of all distractions? I think all told maybe up to a million people have been killed so far. And I'm thinking to myself, the bigger agenda here is what the globalists want, and they want their world order. Yeah. So if, if that is the case, what a magnificent distraction this is. It's also a, a beautiful way of numbing the people. See, wars and the threats of wars numb people into not thinking too far. They're afraid to cross a line of thought and actually question the big picture. So when they're, they're numbed and they're afraid, they do what they're told. What you have really happening in the Americas and in Europe, all across Europe, that signed the same anti-terrorist laws into effect at the same time, which tells you they were all drawn up long in advance uh, by a cooperative upper elite within every country. Uh, what it's showing you is that you've got a reign of terror. I call it a reign of terror. It's not a war on terror. It's a war of terror to terrorize the public. Uh, to go along with this whole new scientific uh, system they're bringing in where we'll be run by experts who will dictate to us and social services that will dictate to us the, the technocratic
Democrats, as Aldo Huxley called them, that were run our lives, is that's really what the big push is for, to change a whole a old way of life, which they now consider obsolete and inefficient, into a new system where eventually, generation by generation, maybe only two or three, uh, they will... Yeah, you won't get born unless there's a purpose for you to serve the system. Well, and, and many people, Alan, uh, are looking, at, and we have some victories, uh, although albeit small in the face of what we're looking at here, and that's global dominance, global uh, globalization, global government, new world order. When you look at this, and I, I think the American people did a pretty good job with the uh, issue of illegal immigration in this country. And this, this crossed the lines. This, this affected liberals and conservatives and, and everybody in, in between in this country, literally. I mean, they, they came from all quarters. And when people have a sense that they're being threatened and they can identify the source, they, they will go after it. But what most people don't recognize and why George Bush, after six years, almost seven years of his presidency, has done nothing with that southern border, that was part and parcel of the North American Union deal to have these migratory workers, not only from Mexico, Central and South America, Canada, if they wanted to come down and go to Mexico, for God's name, uh, for I don't know why anybody would want to go from Canada to Mexico to want to go to work, but just for the sake of argument, uh, people have been scratching their heads, and nobody in the, in the mainstream media is hit upon this idea when we knew it all along. Well, we know the mainstream media is an arm of government. Uh, they could never have pulled off all this con game over uh, over all the generations going back to World War One without the cooperation of the media, um, because we come to conclusions de- depending on the information we're fed. So naturally, you make sure that you dominate the information that goes out, and we come to the to uh, pre-required, predestined conclusions. We have no option to, and they keep us in the dark. It's a very old technique, very simple. In the Middle Ages, they just told the people uh, uh, little bits out of the Bible, and that was the only education they had. They didn't know anything else. They didn't know about the ancient Greeks or the ancient uh, Egyptians. They didn't know that they knew the world was round 3,000 to 4,000 years ago. Um, so it, the same technique has always been used because knowledge is power, and they don't share power to the public. You know, last night I was watching the Colbert Report. Uh, I don't know if you, you get that in Canada or not. But I think they do, yeah. He, yeah, the, they, uh, he had Michael Moore on last night. And, of course, Moore's big thing uh, is is really a push for national health care, uh, no matter which way you slice it. He's going in and demonstrating the inequities and the unfairness and the rip-off artists with corporations. And I, I was pretty astounded that even he got it. And, and Colbert got it. And this went out over the airways last night that, look, it, it, it's, it's pretty simple if you look at this. How can you do news? How can you do information when the very same corporations that are making money and funding your network, you're not going to do negative stories against your money ties? And, and I was shocked to hear that, and, and at least Michael Moore, that I, I think he's, uh, he's a diversion unto himself. Uh, but he's got a lot of popularity in this country. He keeps making these movies that gets everybody riled up, and they all cheer for Michael Moore. But Moore, I know, knows differently because I have friends up in Michigan that have knocked on his front door, talked to him, handed him document, uh, documentation, and said, look, this is what's really going on. So we've had our people literally in his living room talking to him, and yet he still continues down this path. And, it, and it's really frightening to see that. 
because Michael Moore could be using his notoriety and and his past works to do really do some good works. But I don't know who who's got their hands in whose pockets here. But uh, the, the American public is constantly being read uh, just just read a bunch of garbage. They're constantly being pumped full of disinformation and propaganda, and it's to the point right now, Alan. I don't think. If you held, literally held a gun to any, uh, take any American on the street out there, you held a gun to their head, they wouldn't know which end was up. If they had to say one thing to save their life and, and expose their knowledge base, they'd, they'd have to die because they, they don't know. And here's the sad thing about it. The American people, by and large, do not know who's playing the game and who's pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. Uh, again, it's a great method to teach people you see, generations have been really highly indoctrinated into believing that these characters at the top are somehow superior. These guys who get into office and become presidents are superior breed almost. And this was a socialistic idea of keeping us all in perpetual childhood. Let the experts deal with the major problems, and it gives us time to play forever until we die. Uh, perpetual childhood has been very effective. The public today. Um, will not question the media. Um, Fifty years ago, everyone knew across Europe not to trust any of the media because they were all owned by big elitist uh, corporate uh, uh, entities, very rich people who worked hand-in-glove with elite families. They knew this then, but today, through great propaganda processes, uh, they, they, they do believe the media. Brzezinski said the time was going to come uh, when most Americans... Um, would not be able to even think for themselves. They'd allow the, the media to do their reasoning for them. Well, that's happened. It certainly has happened. I, I mean, any, any place in America, I mean, in any corporate office buildings, I mean, all you have to do is listen to the conversations. And, Alan, all that you hear is what transpired on the news the day before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, today it's, it's Michael Vick. Okay, Michael Vick, uh, quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons uh, as, as a rookie. He was involved in uh, in dog fighting and uh, how that goes. It's 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 sickening and it's yeah. inhumane. But this is coming out of the ghetto and gangbanger stuff that it pervades and what's being popularized in in our culture here today. These are our icons. These guys that come from the ghettos and bring their stuff with them. That's what's replaced what America used to be. We'll be right back with Alan Watt. Alan Watts websites, and there are two of them. There's one for the North America, and then there's one for Europe. Uh, are you ready to round, round, ready, right? I'll give you another second to grab that pencil. All right, here it is. Uh, the North American site is cuttingthroughthematrix.com, exactly how it sounds. No dashes, no underscores, no capitalizations. Cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And the European site is Alan Watt spelled A-L-A-N-W-A-T-T, Sentient Sentinel. I'll spell that all out so there's no confusion here. Alan Watt, A-L-A-N-W-A-T-T, Sentient, spelled S-E-N-T-I-E-N-T, Sentinel, S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L, dot E-U. All right, so I hope you got that copied down. Uh, how many visitors do you have to your sites, uh, Alan? Enough to crash most of them. I mean, I have about <laughs> ten out there, and uh, I just juggle them every every night. And 
because uh, I've, there really is it's incredible the thousands that come in every day to, to download. Well, and uh, information is what the world is lacking, and, and we've got a pretty large European uh, audience. We've got people that, that listen, and we have the breakdowns of the Internet, at least who's hitting from foreign countries. And, and I was really amazed. Uh, the Here inside the United States, we have number one and number two listening to this network are actually Mexicans and Mexican organizations, which is pretty fascinating. I don't know why they were eavesdropping. Maybe they were afraid of the... Uh, the uh, uh, the restructuring of our immigration laws here. Maybe that's why they were listening. But uh, we we've got people in England, in Europe, in Germany, in Japan, in Australia, in Belize. Uh, I mean, they even get us on shortwave down in Belize. Uh, if if you can believe that, better than probably what we can get it here in this country. But the information, Alan, as you take a look at the grand chessboard here, and I'll steal the title of somebody's book. As you look at this grand chessboard and you see the world, are they waking up to this globalist plan, or what's going on? There are more waking up. Uh, again, they wake up to a primary uh, level, the first step, really, when they notice things changing in their immediate vicinity, their immediate lives, things which are affecting them personally. We see it in Europe where you've got to show your ID card to get on a bus or to get on a subway, or even in a taxi. Uh, they even have it in comedy shows in Europe, such as in Holland, where mum will say to the child, don't leave home without your card, because uh, you'll need it for the policeman. Uh, so it's getting put through, propagated through fiction and non-fiction, uh, that the card is normal, and being monitored everywhere is normal. So that's spooking some people, but what's scary is, is the amount of people in countries in Europe that were occupied in different wars by people who, who wore black clothing and machine guns uh, were carried in the streets, uh, accepting it now, uh, and many of them are alive uh, during World War II, are still alive today, and witnessing it. It's the older ones that are seeing it. Well, and, <laughs> yeah, the, the older generation, I, I've said this before, Alan, uh, if we do not make the change and make it now and start the awareness process to the point where it really becomes a real detriment and a real slowdown for the globalist, mm-hmm. because this country is the lichpin. I mean, they didn't necessarily go after Canada and they didn't necessarily go after Mexico. They, they turned the full brunt of their efforts on the United States to drive that into the ground because as many people see this, mm-hmm. is that the United States is the lichpin. They drive this country down. They have their new world order. Well, you, you can go back into the books of the Royal Institute of International Affairs and CFR from the 1930s. And they, I have them all, including the minutes of their meetings and all the speeches that were made and by whom. And, uh, you find that it said that uh, the upcoming war against Germany, this is in the 1937 one, the upcoming war with Germany, um, we must all unite to save Russia. Well, at that time, up until then, the Soviet Union was supposed to be the arch enemy of capitalism. And yet here the top capitalists saying we must defend and save the Soviet Union. See, they were in in the bigger picture. They knew that down the road at the end of the century they'd amalgamate the two systems. Well, that was and, all part of the, the whole dialectic 
process. I was just going to use that exact term. It's the Hegelian dialectic of the thesis, antithesis, synthesis, where they create the problem, then demonstrate to you how bad it is, and then they come up with their solutions to fix the problem, which they started in the first place. That's right. And then they went on to say that after this war, uh, World War II, um, uh, that the U.S. would take over as the policeman of the world for a time where it would go forward, appear to be successful, and and uh, fall back again, and then go forward a couple of times, just as Rome did, and then fall back into the ground, and then China would take over as the policeman of the world. This is in the 1930s this was all talked about. You know, it's amazing to me. I mean, people, if they had a working understanding of what's going on in their lives, it's starting to affect them inside the United States, not just the world, but here. You know, the people like Dennis Kucinich, which is a big U.N. guy. Uh, Hillary Clinton, well, we know where Billary has been for all these years. She's been square in the camp of the socialists and the communists out there. If they really knew what was driving the political landscape in this country today, uh, I, I would I would venture a guess here that they'd be up there in, in uh, Pennsylvania Avenue marching on the White House and tarring feathering the people that are occupying the White House and Congress because they've all been in on this fix. Yes, they have. That's just it. You see, uh, Professor Carl Quigley, I mean, he let a lot of the bag in Tragedy and Hope. And he worked at Georgetown University that was the leader for this world push. They trained people to go out in the world and create world government. Okay, hold, hold that thought right there, Alan Watt. We've got to take a break. When I get back on the other side, I'll give you those websites again right after we return. to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. All right. Boys and girls, get out your pencil. I hate that. That is so condescending. Boys and girls. Jeez. Slap me. Okay. Right through the glass. I got it. All right. Here's the websites. Cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Just spell it out the way it is, all lowercase. And that is the uh, that is the Americas side of the uh, website, and the European site is Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel dot eu, and that is A L A N W A T T. Sentient is spelled S E N T I E N T, and then the word Sentinel S E N T I N E L dot e u. Uh, you've got that registered, the cutting through the matrix in the United States. That's why it doesn't say CA at the end of that? That's right. I've got a CA one as well. And and what is that one? Because we have that, a lot of listeners uh, in Canada. Cutting, well, there's about, I think, ten of them all sentient, uh, all cutting through the matrix. So I've got U.S., uh, CA, uh, org, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so they can use, just use cutting through the matrix dot CA as well? Yeah. Okay, great. All right. You have ten websites? How about that, yeah. Really? No wonder your servers are always crashing. Yeah, even with them, it's, uh, it goes down too. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of discussion about this, and, and I, I just, you know, you've been tracking and tracing this, Alan, for how many years now? Oh, too long. Yeah, too long. Uh, a good part of my life, really. And are you encouraged with the number of people that are waking up to this global great plan that they have? I, I am in some ways, but there's more people who are beyond the primary, as I say, steps of waking up and have got a bit higher, they, they realize that there's more at stake than just losing what we thought was a system, uh, a cultural system, 
personally, I, th- I know that the last system was theirs too. Uh, culture is a created thing by experts at the top, uh, an ongoing thing. In fact, most of the culture, including all the left-wing culture in the U.S. and, and uh, Canada and Europe, uh, was run by MI6 and it was run by departments in the CIA. It's now declassified. They created what we thought was the left-wing culture in the West all through the Cold War, and they still run the culture industry. So there are people who've come above that level, and they realize uh, that they're simply updating a new culture for a new world order, and it's one of perpetual socialism, um, a a fantasy land for, for people from birth to grave, while they go on towards the next step. And they do plan eventually to forbid marriage, uh, to raise uh, uh, one generation of children who will believe uh, that uh, Gia, old mother earth there, um, should be saved at all costs and they'll voluntarily allow themselves to be sterilized. It's quite easy to indoctrinate children from, from birth into that kind of thing. And, uh, and eventually the step after that will be to purpose make humans for, for the particular tasks from scratch. They call it genetic enhancement in the early phases and, and then in ge- a genetic completion in the final phase. Now, is, is that the uh, eugenics programs that they have been running for quite some time? Yeah, that's the same one. They, they, t- they talked about this as early as the, the 1700s uh, in the, the big think tanks in Europe uh, of how to perfect humans to be good workers. And it went on from there into the 20th century. It came out in the open with the American Eugenics Society funded by Rockefeller, the great benefactor of mankind, uh, who believed in superior types and inferior types, and they foresaw a time coming where there'd be simply too many inferior types they'd have to get rid of them. Are you, uh, are you familiar with Edwin Black's uh, works? Yes. Okay, because he was the one that, that wrote a book and, and basically spelled it out. Uh, he's been investigating the history of American eugenics, and it was funded largely by the wealthy elites, including the Rockefellers and the Carnegie families. And they actually believe that the feeble-minded should be subject to forced sterilization in order to create a stronger species. And and this is what, what uh, people like Adolf Hitler and other people also saw as a real advantage, you know, for the motherland or the fatherland, however you want to put it, and, uh, you know, we can go back to uh, the days of, uh, who was it? Was it Cromwell in England mm-hmm. uh, where they had a little problem? And he said, well, look, uh, we don't necessarily have to do anything with these other people that aren't English. We'll just breed them out. Yes, that's right. Uh, what's interesting with the Rockefeller Foundation and Ford and Carnegie and many others, they're all colluding together together. Uh, that's the real system of government. They, they dictate to all the guys in government what the agenda is supposed to be. And um, uh, this, whole, this whole schedule for the next 100 years or 200 years is already written down for them, how generation to, by generation they will simply take over the children by scientific indoctrination and, and make, give them a brand new culture, uh, which they will totally accept. It's very easy to do that to children, very, very easy. And uh, um, even Gorbachev, in his book, Towards a New Civilization, said, he said, I myself am an atheist. But then he goes on to say, we are presently creating a new world religion, uh, a new age type of religion based on earth worship. It will be necessary for the, for the future generations to sacrifice themselves for to save the earth. 
Well, and Gorbachev uh, is, is much uh, with Glasnost and this whole this whole front, this this imminent front that they put up uh, with the uh, with Russia and oh the Iron Curtain is falling and we've got Glasnost and Perestroika. It was all a sham. Mm-hmm. And the guy had quite a bit of notoriety, and he could have been used for the furtherance of their global union. But uh, Mr. Uh, th- this guy, th- this guy has dropped almost out of sight. Mm-hmm. I mean, he—you you don't see the little guy with a round face and a receding hairline with a little map of Albania on his forehead anymore. He's—he's he's gone. Mm-hmm. Why, why are they keeping him in stasis? Well, he apparently—I don't know if it's true or not—according uh, to some news reports had a falling out with them over the European Union and the direction it's taking because they did surveys of the, the European Union, this great amalgamation that, where your representatives are supposed to speak for your nation. And there's so many people at the European Union Parliament that they worked out that the average representative from any country in one year would only be allowed six minutes of speech. That's how efficient it is. So he, he fell out with them over that. He said it's more of a dictatorship than anything else. Well, and, and we saw the way the European came about. It was the common market. And then, of course, there was associated problems and inequities here. So we've, we've just got to create a bigger system to fairly treat everybody and, and get them kind of on the same playing board. And they never proposed to the Europeans and the countries, especially the people. I'm not talking about the governments because the governments have been corrupted worldwide for I don't know how many years, tens or hundreds of years. It, it doesn't matter because all of these people are on the same page, as you pointed out earlier, with a war on terror. The first people I saw pop up was Spain jumping on George Bush's war on terror, and then every other country almost simultaneously jumped on board with that. And and I look at this, but then, again, I look at the people. And I don't know, Alan, uh, call me, um, I, I try to be a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. Uh, an optimist in life is too often disappointed and a pessimist too often surprised, so I try to take the middle ground and take a more realistic approach to things. But from my vantage point, if they wait too much longer, their window of opportunity is closing on them. Well, that's what the whole terror thing is about. Uh, in one of the speeches at the Rockefeller Center, Rockefeller himself. Now, remember, Rockefeller, who dictates American policy to the politicians uh, on, on even higher authorities than himself, uh, he speaks for them, uh, he gives out global citizenship awards. He's been doing it for 20-odd years. And all the top names that you know of in politics have all been given these global citizenship awards. These guys are supposed to represent you are already global citizens, you see. So, uh, I mean, we've got to wisen up to this, that we don't have governments as we think we have them. It's a sham to keep us uh, uh, believing we have rights and we have a say in things, while this new system uh, concretizes itself into existence. Well, the, the Rockefellers have been working on this for quite some time. I remember when we had our bicentennial celebration down here in the United States back in 1976, what we saw hitting that very same year was a Rockefeller Foundation uh, piece that they were funding, and they were working on it for about 10 years. And what they introduced, well, they really didn't officially introduce it. We caught wind of it, and we actually got copies of it, was the New States Constitution. And it was very, very similar to the United States Constitution and its uh, original 10 Bill of Rights, except with one difference. 
it was granted to the people as a privilege and not a right. Yeah. So, and, and you see, all this goes back to Britain. People have to understand this. In the 1500s, at the court of Queen Elizabeth I, John Dee, who worked for her uh, as, as a, an advisor, came forth with the idea of the British Empire. And he talked about free trading. And he said that we shall bring the whole world gradually into our system based, modeled on London. Um, and it will be based on free trade eventually for those that, that adopt the British system completely. And those countries, uh, which are vastly different in culture and technique, for a while will be given most favored nation status. This is in the 1500s that term was used. <laughs> Yeah, no, nothing new under the sun. There's well, nothing. well, and and when the Brits were having their heyday, uh, we saw the Romans uh, just about encircle the entire globe. If you didn't join them, you were ground into dust. The yep. British Empire—they were setting up business around the world, and there was even an old saying. And I don't think even people realize when they're hearing phrases and terminologies that've been used in the past. I don't think they're connecting the dots because at one point in time. It was the sun never sets on the British Empire, and it literally didn't. But this was all part of a colonization process to bring them in to a global governance. Yeah. And and most people... See, Alan, the thing that really disturbs me about this is this is a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. We can provide so much documentation, so many people involved in this. We can connect the dots until we're blue in the face. Mm-hmm. But yet we still have people that will look at this and go... Oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. You're some kind of a nut. Why don't you do something really constructive with your time? Yeah, yeah. That's right. And H.G. And, and Wells, in his own book, and he was an official propagandist paid by the British Crown, uh, wrote a book called, uh, or an artic- uh, a chapter called uh, The Open Conspiracy. He said the public will never realize that all the information concerning this agenda has been made available to them. He said nothing really is secret, it's just that it's not widely publicized. And what a lot of people aren't grasping, and that's why I'm hard on people like the Michael Moores, or the, uh, and, and I have nothing, and, and people have misunderstood me on this subject before, about true ecology moves. You know, who, who is in favor of peeing in your own pool? You know, I don't come into your, your, your house and try to take a, a bath in your, in your toilet, so therefore I don't want you piddling in my pool. Yeah. But, you know, you look at this and even these groups and the hierarchies of these groups are where they get their funding and their money. Mm-hmm. They only have one part of the equation and they're set down a path to go after that, but they don't have the full picture. What the full picture here is, ladies and gentlemen, is international banking, the governments of all the little players are now on the global plantation, and, of course, the transnational corporations. We have seen this come about here in the United States where we have lost 75% of our manufacturing base. We have millions and millions and millions of people that used to have good-paying jobs, and the United States had one of the highest standard of living on this entire planet only to see this whisk away, and for inexplicable reasons that the mainstream media will not tell its its uh, its viewers and listeners, they, they do not go down that rabbit hole as to why we're in the shape that we're in. And this is part of the grand agenda or the master conspiracy plan, and it really is a conspiracy plan. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. Anything kept uh, from the public is a conspiracy, and that's how governments ran right up until they gave us the sham of democracies in Europe, uh, they had to give the public democracy, or at least the idea that they're being represented, 
because they had done surveys and they found out that the public rebelled every four or five years uh, because of the heavy taxations. And so they gave them this con game of democracy where they'd pretend to give you a government who would pretend to speak on your behalf. And meanwhile, as I say, Jefferson and, and guys like him wrote that if you see your own Congress or government uh, change hands between parties and yet an agenda is picked off from the last party and, and taken up and carried on from house to house and changes of government, it says, you know you're under tyranny. Well, we've had this since World War II, since they signed the NATO pact, was the first one, and, and then that was followed up by the United Nations Charter. Uh, we've had this agenda ongoing since then. Every law across Europe, America, uh, all the Americas, in the building codes, uh, housing codes, uh, land ownership codes, etc., etc., all come from the United Nations and have been for years. And many people do not know that. They don't know. Let's and it's simply signed into law by your government. Well, they're just there to, to serve and protect us. By the way, um, I, I don't know that some of the terminologies and the colloquial sayings, I don't know if they apply in Canada, but you, you'll hear the American politicians, Alan, talk about uh, in service to the American people. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm down here in Texas, and, and it's a big cattle state, and down here we understand what servicing means as far as the cattle goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's yep. go, let's go That's to the it. let's go to the phones here. Clarence in Oklahoma. Hello, Clarence. Ah, hello there, John. Hi. I've haven't talked to you in a while, and yeah. greetings to your guests there. Yes, sir. And uh, this has been a most interesting exposition. I've been really enjoying this. Uh, you spoke earlier, and your guest, uh, uh, Mr. Watts, there uh, spoke earlier about the uh, identification, and you know, we this, let's talk about the Real ID Act. You know, that's going to put us all under a, a national ID card. And that's that's one of the first indications that your freedom's going, is when they want to ID everyone. Well, and, and if you noticed, a lot of the states are coming on board right now with legislation at the state level blocking this national ID. And that was in anticipation of the... Uh, uh, of this Immigration Reform Act that they try to cram down the American people's throats, uh, the states and the people in the respective states saw this coming and at least tried to buffer this for the protection of its own respective citizens in their own states. And uh, it, it was somewhat successful. You know, Alan, this is this is one of the, the few battles that we have fought and actually won here. Uh, we haven't had the government make a move since... The uh, Immigration Reform Act has been uh, shut down, but that's not going to make them go away. It's temporarily putting that in stasis. Their real ID, there was many other things in that legislation that would have been extremely detrimental to this uh, to this form of government in this country. But at least, and, and I was encouraged because it affected people not only that uh, had their eyes open, strict constitutionalists, libertarians, old stodgy, uh, the old old school uh, Republicans, or the old school Democrats. This was even affecting liberals in this country, which I found truly amazing. This was one issue that crossed all those political lines, and that's part of the problem here in America. Everybody likes to play politics and do their straight party ticket voting, and they don't even realize or understand who these people are and what the true agenda is. Hang on, uh, call her a second. We've got a short segment coming up. Uh, we'll have to say goodbye to Mr. Watt, unless you can stick around a while longer. I could, too. Okay, great. All right. 800-313-9443. We'll be right back. Uh, 
we are back here. Clarence, do I still have you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, uh, got any follow-up questions or comments? Uh, yeah, uh, well, one comment and maybe one question here. Uh, the comment I'd like to make is, uh, uh, I was stationed in Germany 35 years ago. In the, I was in the Air Force. Uh, the only thing that got me out of Vietnam, which I'm thankful for, but I was there, and I, when I was stationed in Germany, I was in what they call security police. I was in uh, the Air Force. Uh, you know, you, you work the gates and people come in and out. I found out the German people had to carry what's called a Reisepass. All of them. And it's not a driver's license. It is literally an internal passport that they all had. And you could, any official officer, police officer, police even us, could demand to see their Reisepass when they came up. And that's kind of a scary thing. You know, it's the... I don't think they've totally gotten over, and maybe across Europe, like he said, the, the people in, uh, in the Netherlands, Canada, the, the children are told not to leave without their cards. This is the whole deal. Your paper's peace type thing. And uh, that's not always scary, but the other scary thing for me, uh, and I'll uh, put this out, is uh, the whole, this whole part this, the NAFTA kept, I'm getting really concerned here, John, that, you know, things are starting to come to a head here. I mean, really, people out there don't think, some of them don't think. It's starting to get really scary. We're seeing the face of the real dictatorship and the tyranny. Well, and I, I've said this before, Alan, that, uh, you know, they're talking about impeachment of George Bush and Dick Cheney, which would leave the presidency open to an unelected uh, person, the leader of Congress, Nancy Pelosi. And uh, this really wouldn't be a detriment to the, them at all because Nancy Pelosi's in on the fix as well. And and it is scary here here in America to watch how deep the control of this government, and it started with the State Department and probably even beyond uh, beyond that, before that. But we really started seeing the mechanizations and the movements from the State Department back in the 40s and the 50s. Alan, you still there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it was it said it was um, uh, the whole agenda was set up really uh, at the beginning of the 20th century, uh, and the wars they would need to bring all this about to unite Europe, followed by a United Americas, and followed by the Pacific Rim region. You can go back into the writings of Karl Marx and Das Kapital, and he goes into that there too with the three trading blocks under a world government. This is an old agenda, and it's only now that people are waking up when they see it actually affect their personal lives. And at least that's something, because a lot of people in Europe have adopted the ID card and, and everything else that goes along with it quite naturally, because you have a generation being brought up with a minimal education, the worst ever, a terrible uh, low base culture, and they've been weaned on video games uh, with little characters with black suits on and machine guns. And so they want to emulate those guys with the, with the suits and machine guns because they represent power and they respect power. Uh, we can't allow one generation to, to live uh, under um, uh, street patrols of these black-clad goons with machine guns because they'll think then it's abnormal. They could keep that going for a 100 years or more. And uh, it was um, Aldo Huxley that mentioned that 
that once the scientific dictatorship comes in, he saw no, no reason why it should ever be upset. And, and we're seeing one of their best efforts put forth on the global warming issue right now. Yes. And that's scientific leadership, unelected people. Their information is being passed on to the respective governments, and they're acting accordingly. Yep. All right, Clarence, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Roger in Tennessee, hang on. I'll get your call next. 800-313-9443. I've got one of the best experts out there, ladies and gentlemen, on the Illuminists, the New World Order, and all the little subjugations and little offshoot groups that you're ever going to hear on the airwaves. We'll take this break, top of the hour. We'll be right back with you. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Second hour of the National Intel Report on this Friday. Yes, it is the end of the week, the 20th of July, 2007. And from time to time, people ask me, well, why do you give out the date? Well, if you listen to radio programming, uh, they'll come in and tell you, well, it's a minute 25 past the hour. And the reason they do that is because we have different time zones and people that listen to the programming in various parts and various time zones around the world. Uh, for instance, we've got a lot of listeners in England, and they're six hours ahead of us. So <laughs> so just just to let you know uh, that, uh, you know, we don't do that. But the reason I do the date, it, it's for the government, okay, because we have our own archives, we have our own records that are always duplicated and stored off-site. You might ask the reason for doing that. Because I can see one day, ladies and gentlemen, when the federal indictments will come after us for hate crimes or some other pretended legislation, and uh, for the for the information and uh, the how should we put this politely for the concocted charges against myself or anybody associated with this network, they will try to twist it. Well, we'll have a working record in context that we can draw upon. So that's why I always do the date at the beginning of every show. It makes it easier for the feds, and it makes it easier for us. Uh, let's go to Roger in Tennessee, I think it is. Hello, Roger. You're on with Alan Watt. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. Uh, I uh, wanted to uh, speak with uh, Mr. Watt for some time now, and uh, I had a question uh, regarding predictive programming, but I'll get to that in a minute. The uh, a uh, couple things I wanted to uh, touch on were the indoctrination of children. Uh, one of the leading proponents of that appears to be uh, Mr. Ted Turner, and uh, he runs this cartoon on his cartoon network, which is uh, you know on practically every cable channel. I mean, you know every cable service carries this cartoon network, and he has a character which he created himself called Captain Planet. And the premise of the show is Gaia, the spirit of the earth, sends five magical rings to five special children. And these children have uh, special powers uh, over, you know, you know, one has water, the other has fire, the other has earth. And they fight uh, the big polluters of the world, you know, you and me and everyone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also has a show called Codename Kids Next Door. And the whole premise of this show, it's a cartoon, but it's a worldwide organization of children in a mutual struggle against adult tyranny. And, you know, it's played for laughs, but they get this big, huge treehouse, and they craft these guns out of wood and all sorts of things. But all the villains are your stereotypical uh, adult figures, you know, like uh, the father figure, uh, the 
the lunch lady, you know, all sorts of, you know, different adult figures. They're all the enemies, you see. And uh, now a reality show has just uh, made the the networks, you know, prime time. It's called Kids Nation, and that's put out by Turner Broadcasting as well. And the whole premise of that show is these kids are put into this New Mexico uh uh, ghost town, and they're supposed to create a society free of children and parents to try to establish a better society. Roger, hold on one second. We'll let Alan Watt respond to that. When we get back from the other side. We'll pick up with Roger, Dan, Mark, Bill, and others, and I'll also put out his websites once again when we return. Get ready for Real Talk Radio. You're listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. All right, we are back. Roger, hang on a second. Let me put out this gentleman's websites again, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Uh, that is also .ca, if you put cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. How many other websites do you have under Cutting Through the Matrix, uh, Alan? Uh, I think there's almost ten now. Uh, just through Cutting Through the Matrix? Yeah. Okay. And there's the European version of that, Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel dot EU. That's A-L-A-N Watt, W-A-T-T. Sentient, spelled S-E-N-T-I-E-N-T. And Sentinel, S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L, Dot EU. Roger in Tennessee, what else did you have, sir? Well, uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, those uh, uh, shows that uh, I had mentioned, if uh, uh, Mr. Watt was familiar with those things. And then a, a couple, uh, uh, just a couple of things, I'll be real quick. Uh, uh, one is just more or less like a mainstream uh, conspiracy theory, but I just thought it was an observation that uh, may be true or not, but the Georgia Guidestones being in Georgia, it seems strange, the uh, close proximity to Ted Turner himself, who is from or is based in Atlanta, and I wonder if maybe he is R.C. Christian or if R.C. Christian was one of his provocateurs or agents. But uh, one final question, if Mr. Watt could answer the question uh, about predictive programming. Uh, one thing I don't understand about predictive programming is, for instance, I look at Steven Spielberg as someone who fits the profile of a propagandist for the New World Order. Uh, he covers a lot of these uh, futuristic types of themes uh, with Minority Report. Roger, and, I don't know. I don't know if Alan's able to keep up with this. I'm barely able to keep up with what you're bringing up. Yeah. Uh, well, I just wanted, as far as the predictive program, I was just wondering if he could answer the question. As far as uh, it's, it seems, a lot of these predict in a lot of these these uh, movies, uh, they present. The, the themes of the future and uh, uh, technological tyranny. However, uh, there are there's always a, a hero who is fighting against it, so it almost seems like a cautionary tale. And I'm wondering if it just seems out of character for a propagandist to have a, a, a sympathetic character like that. And, and uh, I was wondering if, if he could yeah. comment on that. Okay. Yeah, well, the, the first part really was to do with uh, the indoctrination of the young through cartoons and followed up by movies as they get older and that came out of Tavistock Institute in, in England uh, that Huxley and others and Bertrand Russell were members of it was to do with the scientific experimentation on the human mind 
uh, right down to even inserting wires in the brains of humans and controlling them remotely. This was all done back in the, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And um, it's interesting to read their books because Bertrand Russell was given authority to create special experimental schools where he could try some of these techniques on British school children uh, under uh, the auspices of the Crown. He was given a Crown Charter or license to try them in the 1920s. And he said that he would try and promote um, uh, sexual uh, conduct between them, between male and female, before they were reached puberty, uh, to see if they could eventually destroy the bonding process of, or the need for a mate as they grew up. All these experiments were tried uh, by people like Lord Bertrand Russell many years ago, but he also talked about predictive programming, and he said that eventually anyone will be able to be convince anyone else uh, of anything if the, the proper techniques of science are used upon them. He said, if we can get children in kindergarten and teach them a different set of rules, a different set of morals, etc., we can literally eradicate any input given by the parents when they're taken home that night because the scientific indoctrination will overcome it. That was to be augmented by children's stories and with cartoons and the use of, of the visual media. And, and we also saw the United Nations making the, the strong moves here with the UN rights of the child, where here in this country you're responsible for your children at least until the age of 18, but they yeah. tried to circumvent that and uh, undercut the American family and the hierarchy of that family, which is the basis of any working culture, is the family. Well, that's also what Russell said. Um, he said that, that at one time, you see, the elite thought they'd have to take the children away from the, the parents at birth. That was the British objective, eventually, to create a, a Plato's Republic. And he said, but now he says it's more economical to have the parents pay for them, raise them, <laughs> because we shall control and own their mind. Yeah, why Why would you want to take on the total financial burden of, of raising a child? Because, you know, it was funny, I was just talking to a guy today at a bank, and we were talking about children, by the way. Uh, the people at my local bank all know what's going on. And, and I made the comment to him, uh, you know, I said, uh, he said, Mo, I said, how are you doing? He says, well, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm expecting. And I said, oh, good. I said, is this your first? He goes, no, it's my second. I have a three-year-old. And he says, you know, people ask me, you know, how many children are you going to have? He says, as many as I can afford. And I said, you know, most people do not look at children as being an 18-year commitment, uh, not only one legally, but the amount of money that it takes to raise those children, if people thought of this before they start having children that they couldn't take care of that ended up in, you know, either being latchkey children that the wife and the husband has to work or uh, the the vaunted uh, child protective services moves in on you because there's only one parent in the household, whatever the case may be. Uh, he says, and you're exactly right, he says, what people in this country have forgotten is this is, it's a lifelong commitment with your children, but legally you're only held to that standard until the age of, of 18. But if more people thought about having children and what it takes to raise that child, uh, we wouldn't have uh, quite the population uh, that we probably have in this country. And, and Roger, in respect to your uh, your vaunted Ted Turner there, um, he said this several years ago. He said a total population of 250 to 300 million people, and he's talking about worldwide. He said that's a 95% decline from present le levels would be ideal. 
And we already know, and coming out, uh, Alan, from the Tavistock Institute and their little brain trust, that they would like to eliminate at least 75% of the Earth's population because they consider that to be a manageable level, just enough serfs out there to keep and feed the machine. Yeah, and also um, the thing was to separate the generations. Now, you can find this in speeches given in the great Soviet Union, which was the big test bed for all of this to be used. And Beria, who was the, the, the chief of the NKVD there at the time, gave a speech to the Comintern, the Communist International Parties, and he said, it used to take 70 years, a whole generation, to alter the culture by indoctrination of the young and to see the fruitions of the indoctrination. He said, now, and, and this is 1933, he said, uh, we are able to put such great changes every five years if we can get the children early enough. So each intake has been upgraded like a computer uh, with every five years. That was back then. Today, the child going into kindergarten has been indoctrinated in a world that's already prepared for him when he hits 30 or 40, and he'll accept all his indoctrination quite casually because that's how predictive programming works. It's familiar. You don't question it when it comes into being. You think it's quite natural. Well, even Albert Einstein, our MC squared guy here, said years and years ago, he said the ruling class has the schools and the press under its thumb. Mm-hmm. This enables it to sway the emotions of the masses. Yeah. And and that's your predictive stuff. I mean, this guy knew that. And and where was his head at? It was on a And what's even more important than, than the financial burden of children is if you're going to have children, you better make sure that you communicate to that child because most parents today have no time for their children. All the generations are separated and the state is left and, and the, the media and the television is left to, to give them their ideas and their indoctrination. And there's another phenomenon that has kind of been sweeping this country. I don't know if it's been happening as much in Canada as it has down here. We're parenting anymore. It is not the authoritarian type of parenting that we're used to. We have the mother and the father. They set the ground rules. They do the discipline. More and more parents are treating their children as their friends mm-hmm. and not their children, which... You know, folks, look at it this way. Uh, all of us were born into this world. We're all children. We all have to learn, and these are our direct mentors. The, the, yeah, they're, they're our lifelong friends, that's for sure. But these are the people that make sure that we have most of the tools that we need to get through this life, and they're working knowledge. And, and uh, cutting off that uh, predictive timeline, Alan, here back in the 60s, uh, and this was a planned project also, uh, in this country, and I, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I still remember the 60s. I survived them. That uh, Remember, you weren't to trust anybody over 30. That's right. And, and the government was all full of malarkey, and it was peace, love, and dope, and we should not have any property, and they were picking up all kinds of communistic and socialist ideas. These are the people now that, um, well, are having the children, that they're running through this process right now, and they don't even recognize it when they're looking at it. Uh, that's right. And also, as I say... It's now declassified from uh, the U.S. government that one of their specialized departments within the CIA led all of those radical far-left groups. It, it, it is it is simply amazing. There, there, Alan, I, I, I want to do these calls. Our, our phone banks are loaded here. But I want to get into the subject matter with you with the Illuminists, the Masons, the Jesuits, the Zionists, the Jacobinists, uh, you know, the entire... 
uh, litany of the groups that have been working towards a global government. I want to get your idea and your take on who's doing what to whom. Because we, we can track back Zionism. And we can track that back, and you talked about them earlier. Uh, the, the great Marxist carrier, I call them the water boys for Marxism, like Karl Marx. The communism started in Russia. And who was behind this were a bunch of Zionists. They, they were pretended Jews, but they were really Zionists. That was part of the antithesis against the corporatist state or capitalism. They always have to have one side drawing against the other and fighting. All the while behind the scenes, like in The Wizard of Oz, don't pay attention to that guy behind the curtain. Well, I don't know. Toto was smart enough to pull back the curtain. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. This ain't Kansas no more. We'll be right back with more of your calls. We have loaded phones here. And let me, for the for the fairness of the callers, let me roll some more of your calls before I get into the Mac Daddy of questions here from my guest, Alan Watt. And we'll give out his websites again. Uh, Dan in Texas, you're up next. Hello, Dan. John, Alan, I just had a quick comment. Uh, regarding the Rockefellers and conspiracies, I'm sure both of you gentlemen are aware of the fact he published his memoirs in 2002, mm-hmm. The Life and Times of David Rockefeller, yeah. in which he states, conspiracy theorists like you and me have been making charges against him and his family for decades that they are involved in a conspiracy against the best interest of the United States in favor of a one-world government. And he goes on to say, (laughs) not only uh, is he guilty of this, but he is very proud of it. That's right. So when my friends, family, neighbors, and so forth want to call me a conspiracy nut, all I can do is chuckle because I believe I know who the nuts are. (laughs) Well, you know, and Alan, uh, thank you. I appreciate that call, Dan. Uh, Alan, yeah, this is hard to grasp for a lot of people that, uh, and I've said this repeatedly on the air before. I said, look, what is the one thing, uh, 230 some years ago, uh, a group of men, yeah, they were Masons, uh, some were Deists, it, it doesn't matter because if you look at what the founding fathers had done, most of these people died broke. So if they were in it for the money or in it for the glory, they didn't do a really good job. What they did do was start a very good country. And I, I'm, I'm a little upset that, that people would want to rip apart the Founding Fathers. They were not perfect, and they had their own baggage that they were carrying at the time. But as I look at what they have done, why, why create a government with a Constitution and a Bill of Rights and make them inviolate and then give advice as to if the government ever stops working for you, well, just dismantle that one and move it a little bit further west. Well, we're flat out of territory. And as in my estimation, we're flat out of time because the globalists are putting the final pieces of this puzzle together. This has been an ongoing project for hundreds of years. Oh, oh it has. I mean, Albert Pike, who was the granddaddy, the big pope of Freemasonry, for the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, which wasn't Scottish, it came from France. They were given their charter from France, as the B'nai B'rith is also a member. Uh, that's the Jewish section of the Brotherhood of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. They're all Masons. You see all these groups that we commonly hear about. Well, Albert Pike talks in his book um, uh, written in the 1800s, and he, he said we shall create foundations, and it's through foundations 
as did Weishaupt, by the way. They both said the same term, foundations, and uh, uh, they used that term. They said, we shall gather masses of wealth of the world and become masters over the masters of the world because they wanted to run this world the way that they saw fit because they truly believed they were the most evolved and intelligent species on the planet and they had the right, therefore, to decide the direction the planet would take and everything in it. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things I was going to ask you about. These people firmly believe that because they are leaders of, of uh, corporations, international, transnational corporations, the head of uh, World Bank, uh, the, uh, the World Banks, uh, because they are so enmeshed in commerce and business that they actually believe, their, their psychological makeup is that they actually believe that they are the chosen people uh, to do for the human beings, their, their little underlings, what they cannot do for themselves. And that they firmly yeah. believe that they should be the masters of all for the betterment of mankind. And that's right. They do believe in evolution. They do believe. In fact, they're, they're the religion, the high religion of high Freemasonry, not the, the, the lower orders, but the high, uh, even the noble orders, they believe uh, very much the same way as, as Hinduism. It goes back to Hinduism. The whole theory of Darwin went through Hinduism, that we came from the primordial slime and, and just worked our way up from amoebas. Um, they believe in all this stuff, and, uh, and they believe that they are the most advanced in the planet, and the proof to them is the fact that the same families, the same elite families worldwide from all races deserve to be there because they've held on to their wealth and their power over others generation after generation. That's the, the, the proof that they need for that to be allowed in. You know, it, it's amazing. I, and I've told the story just recently, a couple of days ago on this network, uh, when we would do preparedness shows and there was mass gatherings of patriots and you know, five, six, eight, ten thousand would go through an exposition on the weekends. Uh, and they, there was a crew that came down from New York, Alan. Uh, there was two of them. And they were very nice people. And they talked to me and I let them go for a couple hours to, uh, make their position. And they said, well, there's only one thing that we would ask you to do. That you keep saying that this is a grand conspiracy. And what we would like you to do is adopt the accidental view of history. So in other words, there was just opportunities and times in not only this country's history, but worldwide that, well, people just took advantage for the better, betterment of man. I remember them using that term. And that we're just here to tell you that it's not a grand conspiracy. It's we just, You just need to adopt the accidental view of history. Mm-hmm. That was their entire message to me. And I, I looked at them and I smiled and I shook their hands and I said, well, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Go back to your masters in New York and tell them I'm not buying. Mm-hmm. And I never saw or heard from them again. Oh, I've had documents sent to me from the United Nations in New York uh, of projects that they're coming up with and asked me to review these things and, and get back to them and give them my opinion as they try to win me over on their, on, on their agenda. Yeah. So I'm well, and Switzerland too, I've had them uh, get lots of... Um, calls from Switzerland asking me to join the, the elite groups there too. My soul is not for sale at any price. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. All right. 
Callers have been holding on, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, let's go to Mark in Illinois next. You're up uh, with Alan Watt. Hello? Yes. Hey, uh, John, I just want to tell you I'm a first-time caller. I've been listening to your show for about a month now. Yes, sir. And I'm very, very happy with your show. i got two questions, and I'll get offline. One is, one is I worked as a contractor in Iraq for a very well-known company that's been around for a long time. And while I was there, some of the guys that I was working with, they had they had just left Alaska where they, they said they were building a concentration camp that held would hold like a, a half a million people. And they had photos on their telephones they said they weren't supposed to have, and, one, and, and it had cars. And I just want you to address that. And I have a, a question for Mr. Watt. Is I, after there, I went on vacation. I went to New Zealand where the, the, there was a young Rothschild who had written a child's book about the global warming. He seemed like a very nice guy, but he talked about how he lived on his own ranch and he grew his own food. And I came home and uh, moved in, moved into a house in the suburb, and, and I tried to find some 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 corn seeds that weren't genetic, genetically modified. And I, and I want to I don't understand why I can't purchase regular food to grow in my own yard, but. That guy can, you know, grow his own organic food, and he doesn't uh, hold, have hold to. Hold on, hold on one second, Mark. Uh, let me let me have Mr. Watt answer that. I know he's got the answer for it. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, uh, if, if you've noticed, <laughs> for people who know the history of Europe and elite families, they have they own farms all over Europe. Uh, traditionally, the feudal overlords have tenant farmers that work for them. Prince Charles was in the paper a few years ago because his tenant farmers were still on some incredible minimum pay and were required to give Charles most of the produce. The royal families and the elite have uh, all their own uh, foodstuffs, including the herds of cattle that don't get injected with all the stuff that that ours does. They have all their vegetables that are non-modified. They have their stores set up for future use for the elite worldwide. Uh, when Blair tried to pass the law for the GMO foods in Britain to make it mandatory the public must use, the, use them, he made an exception for the huge, massive uh, cafeteria for the politicians in Parliament. Their food could be non-modified, but not for the general public. This is a warfare agenda, you must understand. It's a war because you go after all things in war, including food and water. And uh, we've all to be modified and dumbed down and, and malnourished, or denourished, you might say, uh, through the food we eat. Well, the elite already have their thousands of natural, organic, real organic farms using natural seed. It's not going to be made available to the public eventually. Well, that, that's just, yes, I couldn't find, Mr. I couldn't find a, an actual corn seed that wasn't a hybrid where I could grow it again by planting it. Right. It, it just it, I found it amazing. Well, and, 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 and that, thought, that will do, that will do two things, by the way, uh, caller Mark. That will prevent you from being outside of that system and growing your own food wherever and whenever you wanted to grow it. So every growing season, you have to keep going back to the producers to buy their genetically modified seeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's that's another that's another little trick that they're playing to control the food because if you control the production and the distribution of food you control that particular country or culture or society yeah, it's interesting to note too that the united nations uh forced iraq uh, the farmers in iraq to only use their modified uh foodstuffs and seeds they've also forced india to use it as well 
through massive advertising campaigns and have had riots in India uh, ongoing with the little farmers who are well aware that this is taking away their freedom and their right to, to continuously grow their own food. As you say, they'll have to go to the masters with their cap in hand and plea for it in the future. In this country, Mark, uh, back in the 50s with the technologies and the fertilizers that we had back then, uh, we were able, the United States was able to feed the world's population, not once, not twice, not three, not even four, but five times over. That's the food production capability we had in this country. So they have to control it in order to control the populations. It was also said by the, the head of the... You see, for every department you have in government, you have a duplicate super department equivalent in, at the United Nations. And they have a department for agriculture. And the spokeswoman for the, that department a few years ago said that down through history, food has always used as a, been used as a weapon to control people. And we shall use it. We shall use that power. And, Mark, I, I apologize. What was the question you had asked well, me? Well, you know, um, just it was about uh, why do they need all these detention centers or concentration camps in America for? And then uh, I get off the get off the line. But Yahoo News reported within weeks ago that Americans are two inches shorter than they were, you know, thirty, forty years ago, and now they're not the the tallest. And some Scandinavian country is. Do you think that has to do with our our uh, gen? Our diet, our process. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You see, Britain, even in Britain, you see, Britain was always kept in a state of malnourishment for the general populace. And in World War One, the average size of an 18-year-old recruit or 17-year-old recruit was only five foot uh, four. And within three months of army food, the first real good meat he ever had, within three months he sprouted 45 inches. Well, They've always been doing this sort of stuff with the population. Well, and, and if we notice now, and Mark, thank you very much uh, thank, for thank your... Thank you so much. And, and, and uh, how, did you, how did you start listening to the program? Mark? Bouncing around the Internet, and uh, I, was, I found the, the Radio Avenger, uh, Rick Adams. Okay. Huh. And, um, but he came on too late, and then I was just... just I stumbled across you, and I, you had a good program on, and... Every day I race home from work to get home uh, by 4:20 so I can look on the internet and uh, listen listen to you. I really like your show. Well, you and can I, you can you can hear it in its entirety. You can go into the archives. We do not charge for the archives. You can go into the archives and listen to any program that you'd like at your own leisure. But do me but, a favor, Mark. Yeah. Do me a favor. Spread yeah. the word. I am telling everybody about you. <laughs> All right. I, I, Hey, thank you so much for your time. Okay, thank you, Mark. I appreciate Keep up good it. Work. All right. Yeah, and and this is the trick to it. Uh, and I'll get back to the calls here in a second. Alan, what we have in this country, we have I, I do believe millions of people that have woken up to the to the true agenda and the true facts. But for the life of me, I have yet, and I've wrap, tried to wrap my brain around this and understand this. I've been broadcasting for almost 15 years. This is my second network uh, that I created and started. And we have a good number of educated people out there, but we have seemed to hit a brick wall. The numbers aren't growing exponentially the way they should. Do you, do you have do you have any uh, do you have any inside poop on that one? It's standard again. You see, most people, when it comes down to martial law techniques, become afraid. And even those who are, have been following things and speaking out in the past, many of them will, will duck down again. They're terrified to be singled out by government or harassed or punished in some way or another. Uh, many of them also 
are told by, and this is a fact that the, the women are also used to get to their husbands to make them pull their heads down. Uh, wives want uh, security. They want to be left alone to raise the family. They don't want the heat of the government coming down on them. There are many factors involved in this whole agenda, and, uh, and it's all been tried before in the past. But, yeah, unfortunately, people today are, are cowards. They hope truly that this present part of the system will not get any worse with all of its corruption and its heavy taxation and its stress. They hope that time will just stop and they can live and retire and the next generation will take the brunt of it. And I'm telling them now, you cannot leave this to the next generation because the next generation, their IQ is dropped as official by the United Nations. They know why, because they've been using inoculations big time on them. And they don't have the vocabulary, they don't have the history, the knowledge to do what we're doing. It's up to us to speak out for them and save them. And, and the way I've got this thing pegged, I've looked at this from 360 different angles, if you will. And the only solution that I have to this problem is education. Yeah. Because without that, without people having, we can give them the framework and we can teach them to the point where they can plug in their own pieces to their puzzle and come up with a picture that they need to see. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I have been, uh, people have said to me, well, John, you seem like you've, your, your edge is off, that you're not as hard hitting as you used to be. Well, what I discovered also is if you want to get somebody's attention, what you don't want to do is tell them that their backside is on fire because they're going to run away from you at Mach 3 and burn up into a, a cinder. I, I take a more reasoned, calmer approach. We have some people out there that like to shock and scare the snot out of people. And, and that does not work. That, that might be good for getting them over to the campfire and warm their hands for a few minutes, but once they understand where the heat's coming from, they'll run like banshees. But I appreciate the way that you present this evidence. It's just a matter of fact. There's no panic in your voice. You're not, you're not ranting. Uh, you're not uh, raving. You're just putting out the information as you've discovered it. You've researched it. You've been doing it for a long time. And obviously, there's a lot of people that listen to your calm approach to this. Yeah, you have, you have to keep calm. You see, you cannot hit people. Uh, you see, psychological warfare works by giving out very bad news, terrifying news. And the elite don't care which side gives it out as long as the public hear it. That's how it works. As long as you get your dose of it, it's meant to immobilize you uh, psychologically and make you give up before you've actually done anything. It seems so overwhelming. But in reality, it's always been small groups of people down through the entire course of the eons that have eventually stood up at the last minute and said and done the right things that have altered uh, the course of the elitists. Well, and th- this is happening again now. This is this is the whole enchilada. This is one time in human history that this has never been attempted before, and they are so very, very, very close. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones. Thanks for holding. Bill in Alaska, up there in Alaska. Hello, Bill. Bill, you there? How are you? Good. Uh, I just wanted to send greetings down there from the most beautiful spot in God's green earth. Um, well, the Canadians might have something to say about that, but go ahead. Who cares what the Canadians think? Well, wait a minute. You're talking <laughs> to one right now. <laughs> and I also wanted to thank Alan for all the work he does. I've been into his website several times, and it's just fantastic. Um, I wanted to ask you guys if you, you'd heard about uh, Darth Vader ascending to the throne tomorrow temporarily while Mini-Me goes in for his colonoscopy. <laughs> no, I didn't hear that one. And what are you in reference to? 
Uh, Cheney is going to be take over for Bush tomorrow while Bush gets knocked out for his colonoscopy. Oh, really? Oh, really? So uh, I thought that presented some interesting possibilities. Uh, you know, God forbid anything should happen to Herr Bush while he's under uh, anesthetic. Uh, I won't even <laughs> consider what might happen there. But, well, do you do you remember uh, do you remember Haig uh, during the Reagan administration when uh, sure. Reagan Al got Haig. you? Alan Haig come out and said, "Don't everybody panic. I'm in charge." Yep. Uh, he wasn't even the vice president. Well, we know how bad that uh, Johnson wanted Kennedy out of the way so he could get in, and we know how Daddy Bush wanted to get Ronnie Reagan out of the way and try to have him whacked so he could get in. So it'll be interesting to see what happens while uh, Junior is out cold and Cheney takes over as President of the United States. Okay. Well, you know, wouldn't it be an interesting scenario, Alan? I'm, I'm just pulling this out of the top of my head here, that uh, maybe George Bush has some complications. He's not able to resume his presidency. And uh, Mr. Cheney takes over. In your estimation, Alan, which is more dangerous, Bush or Cheney? It wouldn't matter. Uh, what is also true, though, down through history, especially in this history that have given us this new form of democracy they keep talking about, um, is that the number two is always the real boss, uh, not the, the guy in front. And uh, there's no doubt that, that Cheney was uh, definitely groomed for much higher things long ago. Uh, this guy, remember, went also uh, to, to Yale. He uh, he dropped out, and he had to go back to get himself out of being conscripted for the the Vietnam War. And, uh, and then, when they when they still could take them from from Yale, he got another loophole and married very quickly to get a child to get him out of the war. And he was a lifelong Halliburton uh, big CEO. So you had a Halliburton crew at the top, the real fascist crew, uh, the global corporation they call themselves. Uh, coming up to the desk, uh, it'll all depend if his handlers keep him under control or if his ego gets the better of him. He might slip out a few things he's not supposed to because of his giant ego. We'll wait and see. All right, Bill, anything else? No, nah, I just thought that, that was pretty interesting, so I guess we'll see what happens. We'll keep our eye on it. One thing Great that... show, John. Thanks for all your hard work, and Alan, you too. All right, Bill, thank Take you. Take care. Uh, yeah, you, you know, even <laughs> that made me think when you mentioned that. Um, you're familiar with the movie Wizard of Oz, yeah, and and all the subtleties and all the messages that were put into that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the golden, uh, the golden path, or the yellow brick road, uh, yeah. the gold, uh, it, the poppy fields, all of that. But a lot of people never caught this. The Wicked Witch of the West, her little minions, they didn't recognize the words in the song that these, they were singing. And it was kind of ominous. And I don't know if you remember it uh, or not. It used to go something like, uh, all we own, we owe her. All. And, and it took me years and years and years after watching The Wizard of Oz. I don't know. I bet you I've seen that movie 30 times. I, until one day I had my mind someplace else and I hear this in the background and those words came through me like, like a, like a ringing of a bell. And I heard the words for myself, all we own, we owe her. Yeah. It's the same situation we've got right now. It is. Yeah, but the, th- the, the good thing about the Wizard of Oz is that behind the curtain there is a little man pulling all these uh, scientific, uh, uh, strings and punching, um, turning knobs and so on. We are being run by sciences today, and sciences can be overcome uh, by the human spirit if it's strong enough. Well, and you took a look at the the one the one thing that discovered the deception 
And it wasn't Dorothy. It wasn't the Tin Man. It yeah. wasn't the Lion. And it wasn't the Scarecrow. It was Toto. <laughs> yeah, that's right. His nature was still intact. He wasn't swayed by anything that humans were scared of. And uh, his nature won through. Jeff in Vermont. Thanks for holding, Jeff. You're on with Alan Watt. Hey, guys. Uh, hey, John. Hey, Alan. I appreciate what you guys have to say. It's, it's very um, very good. Um, I don't think it's a conspiracy if they legalize everything. It seems like with the Patriot Act, the Military Commissions Act, uh, this new thing that Bush did today with the, with the um, he can seize, the Fifth Amendment's gone like we ever had it before, but... There, it's just like Hitler. Hitler didn't break any laws. He legalized everything. He uh, passed all the laws that he needed to pass, so he could do it without, you know, in the with the the people and everything. And it, it just seems weird that you know everything's out there to look at if people look at it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a conspiracy if it's in front of everybody's face. Mm-hmm. You know, technically it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's in the open. It's law by decree. It's yeah. the symbol of, of totalitarian government down through the ages. And uh, it's mandatory. It's police searches, warrants, suspicion, fear, uh, no rights. It's the same old thing rearing its head. It is complete in all of its aspects. And it's there for anybody who wants to see it. Most of the public haven't seen it directly affect them individually yet. Not yet. But when the laws are, that are put, that are already on the books, are put into effect, I mean, there's about 50 times more sets of laws than the Soviet Union ever had. All right, hold that thought. We'll come back for the short segment and the closeout of this edition of the National Intel Report. All right, let's take Mike in New York and Bill in Idaho. We only have about four minutes and ten seconds left, Hello? so go, Mike. Hello? Yes. Evening, John. Uh, evening, Alan. Um, I have a quick comment and a question about the uh, about the U.S. economy. Go. Uh, okay, uh, briefly, uh, even though the U.S. market, if one, if one goes by the Dow, is near all-time uh, highs, although it took a big a big smackdown today, there's rot in the basement in terms of the subprime mortgage bond collapse, which is now spreading to higher-grade uh, mortgage securities and, and corporate bonds. Yeah, they're running out of ways to repackage yeah, the debt. Uh, yeah, I think, John, I referred to it a couple of weeks ago as the uh, rosy, where's the buffet O'Donnell gorilla factor, <laughs> who, uh, whereby she's not, she's not only swallowing the canary in the economy's coal mine, but ripping down the rafters as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is this, Alan. Do you think that the housing bubble was consciously engineered with the intent to crash it, in order to trap people into into, into indentured servitude, thereby uh, more pliable and more uh, thereby making them more pliable to the dictates of the uh, the new world order. Yeah, yeah, it's all of that. It's also to do with with the taxation, because governments knew that they'd have to keep getting increasingly massive amounts of, of taxes in. And they encourage this kind of thing because as the prices seem to gotten the value, you're taxed on more and more of your property and much higher taxation rates. It's a complete scam at the top. Uh, there, are, there are no free markets out there, to be honest with you. They're all managed. 
along the same direction. And if you if you take a look at the housing market right now, if you take a look back during the depression, what happened when people couldn't pay their mortgages, they lost all their equity mm-hmm. and the all the property and the structures reverted back to the banks to bring the system back up and sell them back all over again. That's and that's never really stopped. No, it hasn't. Mike, thanks for your call, Bill. We've got about 90 seconds. Go. Yes, bless you both. Thank you so very much. Yes. As Alan mentioned, and it's very much appreciated, the quality of information and the ammunition that you keep on sending out that we can replicate out here in the field uh, is uh, uh, the exact point. It is part of the self-targeting left behind out of Tavistock that was injected via OSS into CIA, FBI that gave us 9-11 and the uh, end results of a criminal conspiracy to defraud at a congressional level. Mr. Watt, the best way to focus the quote-unquote re-education and recovery of the younger class, the younger people, your best understanding of how we should focus this information. And, John, would you please get in touch when you can? I will, I will do that, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do here. I'm going to forgo Mr. Watt's answer to that. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to put his websites out again. And, uh, Bill, I, I know, and I'll be talking with you. And, Alan, I'll be talking to you this weekend. Yes. Uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com and .ca. Uh, go to that website, and the European website is Alan Watt Sentient, that's S-E-N-T-I-E-N-T, Sentinel.eu. Alan, uh, gosh, we just scratched the surface here. We could, we could burn up another, uh, couple hours, but you've been on constantly now, uh, for four hours on this network. I think we're gonna have to let you go. Okay. <laughs> Alright, Alan Watt, thank you so much, sir. It's a pleasure. Alrighty. Folks, that'll do it for us today. We'll be back with you Monday with another edition of the National Intel Report. Spread the word, folks. The only way we're going to defeat these globalists is by an informed populace, and you are the key. Get busy. Do it now. We don't have a whole lot of time left. God bless you. We'll see you back here Monday.